Great. Uh, like I said, uh, today will be our last study, uh, Psalm, um, uh, chapter 34 is our text. Um, if I could get it projected and a few volunteers to read it out for us. Um, the Lord said to Moses, command the Israelites and say to them, when you enter Canaan, the land that will be allotted to you as an inheritance will have these boundaries. Your southern side will include some of the desert of Zin along the border of Edom. On the east, your southern boundary will start from the end of the Salt Sea, cross south of Scorpion Pass, continue on to Zin and go south of Kadesh Barnea. Then it will go to Hazar, Adar and over to Asmon, where it will turn join the Wadi of Egypt and end at the sea. Your Western boundary will be the coast of the Great Sea. This will be your boundary on the West. For your Northern boundary, run a line from the Great Sea to Mount Hor and from Mount Hor to Lebo Hamath. Then the boundary will go to Zedad, continue to Zifron and end at Hazar Enon. This will be your boundary on the North. For your eastern boundary, run a line from Hazar Enon to Shephon. The boundary will go down from Shephon to Ribla on the east side of Ain and continue along the slopes east of the Sea of Kinnereth. Then the boundary will go down along the Jordan and end at the Salt Sea. This will be your land with its boundaries on every side. Moses commanded the Israelites, assign this land by lot as an inheritance. The Lord has ordered that it be given to the nine and a half tribes because the families of the tribe of Reuben, the tribe of Gad and the half tribe of Manasseh have received their inheritance. These two and a half tribes have received their inheritance on the east side of the Jordan of Jericho toward the sunrise. The Lord said to Moses, these are the names of the men who are to assign the land for you as an inheritance. Eleazar the priest and Joshua son of Nun, and appoint one leader from each tribe to help assign the land. These are their names. Caleb son of Jephunneh from the tribe of Judah, Shemuel son of Amihud from the tribe of Simeon, Eladad son of Kislon from the tribe of Benjamin, Buki son of Jogli from the leader, the leader from the tribe of Dan, Haniel, son of Ephod, the leader from the tribe of Manasseh, son of Joseph. Oh, sorry, I didn't mean to read it all. Okay. Elizaphan, son of Parnak, the leader from the tribe of Zebulun. Paltiel, son of Azan, the leader from the tribe of Issachar. Ahihud, son of Shalomi, the leader from the tribe of Asher. Pedahel, son of Amihud, the leader from the tribe of Naphtali. These are the men the Lord commanded to assign the inheritance to the Israelites in the land of Canaan. Okay, great. Um, so here is a like a verbal description of the boundaries of the, the land of Canaan and uh, some other instructions uh, that are given. Um, any Anything uh, uh, strikes you guys as a lesson or uh, something that we can learn from um, this list of borders and boundaries and individuals.
you know, one way to look at it is that it's just a kind of a, almost like a record or a real estate document that you might find doing a title search. And uh, so there's kind of a legal component to it, I, I, I would think, and stuff. But um, try to think of it uh, as what it, what it means or what it represents. Um, like, especially in terms of the, where the Israelites um, are, um, what needed to happen to get to this point, maybe along those lines. I don't know if that triggers any observations in you guys. Well, I actually think of it in terms of Abraham, because uh, when Abraham first entered the land, uh, similar to what Pastor Johnny was preaching about this Sunday, God actually told him to kind of go through the land and actually look at it, right? And so, you know, these boundaries, we don't know how God chose them, but I wonder if at some point this is kind of where, like, Abraham went, you know, like... God says, okay, I'm going to give you this, this land to your descendants. And so I wonder if uh, this is where, you know, the extent to where Abraham traveled. It, you know, we don't know for a fact, but, you know, based on what God told Abraham to do, I wonder if that's, that played an element. And of course, you know, these descendants, none of them have, you know, speak, talked with and spoken to Abraham. But even in that way, um, you know, what Abraham does actually is um you know god honors it and god puts it on you know his descendants okay uh, i like that perspective thank you any other <clears throat> um offerings Uh, I think uh, uh, sure though. Like um, they've been um just wandering for forty years or how many years are uh, in the desert and different places. And um, God, God had been uh, promising them like you go, you're going to can, uh, the the land of Canaan. But um, but this time God. Told them specifically the boundary uh, where you're going to have what places. Seems to me, as the Israelites, I would feel like oh, the the promise is finally uh, is uh, fulfilled because I can see it. Because God was very specific about what land and where they they are they were going to get. Just feel like it's. To me, yeah, I feel like um, it's more real as a as a Israelite. It's, it came became very real to me that we're going we're going into the promised land. Yes, I I, I agree with you. I I see um, that the general kind of promise is now very specific and these are um, at least known known to them scholars say that they 
aren't able to identify all of these places, uh, you know, because of the ancient names, but, um, you know, it must have been known or would have, would, would eventually get to be known by the Israelites. And so kind of it adds definition and um, specificity that uh, is very different, as Clarice pointed out, from, you know, wherever the pillar and cloud, the pillar of fire went, cloud and fire went, you know, the, and we get the image of uh, the idea of them kind of like going around in circles, meandering all over. But now there's a, a definite kind of uh, uh, a target. They know it's almost like God commits himself that they are going to be getting not only a land, but this particular land. So I, I could, I would imagine that they felt uh, quite excited or, or a little bit more um, kind of secure that they, they knew what they were getting into. Whereas um, up to that point, there was a lot of, you know, um, just go where I tell you to go kind of thing. Also think that uh, with the specifications, they could uh, avoid a lot of um, future conflicts or arguments among the tribes. Like I, if I tell Rachel, Rachel, you're getting this cookie and Jack, you're getting this cake. There's no argument, hopefully no argument in the future. No. Avoid some fights in the future. Good one. I, I, I think that it helped uh, in a number of ways um, they knew that they needed to conquer all this land, but no more, right? God didn't, God's goal for them was not to like, you know, build an empire, but it was to uh, carry out his will concerning the land of Canaan and the people of Canaan. So it, it, there is um, kind of a limitation, like a, 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 a finiteness to it that I think is, is kind of interesting. Um, I, I piggybacking on that, I would you know, see in verse 13 and 29, there's that um, command to assign this land by lot as an inheritance. So just uh, what Clarice said about avoiding kind of jealousy or conflict, how come <clears throat> I get this land and you get that land, I want this better land, you know, um, this was all going to be uh, I guess uh, assigned or um, through um, Eliezer the priest Joshua the, uh, the the general the leader uh, and the representatives of each tribe. Um, so you 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 take out the kind of the the human kind of preference <clears throat> or the co com competition or competitive element. And uh, the idea being that God is the one who assigns it to them and um, that he's being gracious to all of them. So <clears throat> I think it's interesting the attempt to uh, equitably and um, you know, parcel out the land uh, in this way instead of using 
um, other forms of of selection or or purchase or um, procurement. Um, this uh, even in in getting the land, uh, God's you know sovereign will was to be involved. And of course, the names uh, from 17 on, uh, you see are all brand new names, not part of the uh, first census, not leaders um, during the uh, front end of the 40 years, except Joshua and Caleb, right? Just as God said, uh, these two men would be the only ones from generation one who would make it into the promised land and because of their faith, because of their courage, because of their uh, loyalty to God, uh, they uh, continue, they, they're actually part of the, um, uh, the uh, top leadership for uh, generation two. Okay? So they're kind of a hybrid or they're, they're, they're part of the transition uh, for that. So it is a new day uh, for the Israelites. Um, they have returned to the plains of Moab for the second time. And um, it's now the back end of the 40 years. Uh, and they're, uh, they've learned a lot, I think, uh, in those 40 years. And the personnel has changed. But uh, the, what hasn't is God's purpose, God's promise, right? God's will for <clears throat> the Israelites to enter in and receive their inheritance. Uh, any other <clears throat> things to add? I just I have one more thing I want to say about that, about this passage. It kind of goes back to the days. You know, <clears throat> not sure if Abraham. Uh, yeah, indeed you know, um, kind of survey the land, right? Or even if he knew what exactly the boundaries would be, <clears throat> but God did. I think when God promised to Abraham uh, that he would give his descendants this land, you know, God knew the, the shape, he knew the boundaries, he knew the geographical layout. And uh, he had that... Uh, told the Israelites, he reminded the Israelites about it. And <clears throat> finally, <clears throat> when they're about to enter in, <clears throat> he reveals what uh, that would actually look like. God has this map, this picture uh, in mind, right? But as we uh, think about it, the first generation certainly, uh, um, they had never seen Canaan. Um, they had never kind of, uh, well, I mean, the, 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 the spies saw it, but um, there was no, um, for them, it was still kind of a, a theoretical, an abstract kind of outcome or, or, or destination. 
Uh, but to God, it was uh, it was a real thing. Right? He knew exactly what he was bringing the Israelites to. But the Israelites, uh, because they could not see the end result, right? because they did not have a grasp or they didn't have uh, enough confidence that such a reward, such an inheritance, right? such a result was going to be bequeathed them. Um, they couldn't understand the process. They couldn't trust the process, right? So I hope I'm explaining this right. But so God had the end, end goal in mind, the picture in mind. He knew what, where, what he was getting the people to go to. So when they were going along the way and they ran into a problem, whether it's lack of water or they uh, had um, a rebellion or they had a discipline, they had a punishment, they had um, uh, some sort of plague. You know, God knew exactly what he was doing, right? Uh, he uh, whatever the detours, the setbacks, um, the failures, all that, you know, it, it didn't throw God off. He, he was clearly um, leading the people, right? Slowly, it, it must have seemed, or, uh, it, 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 you know, uh, but they certainly, he had never lost sight of where he was taking them. But the Israelites, um, they, whenever they ran into something that didn't um, make sense in terms of why do we have to go through this to get to the promised land or this desert is terrible it sucks compared to what all of these stories about you know the land flowing with milk and honey uh, when you know they lost a battle they thought they were you know doomed that god had you know god and moses had dragged them out into the desert to die so all of their, well, much of their interpretation of, let's say, negative events or difficult events, um, because they had no kind of grasp of, of what the the goal was or 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 what um, you know, where God was leading them, they um, they balked, they they grumbled, they turned back, they rebelled. Uh, they couldn't trust the process. Um, they weren't able to um, connect or relate what the difficulty they were going through with the description of the great um, in inheritance or promise that, that God was uh, taking them to. Right? I, I guess an analogy is like, when I don't know, maybe a sports movie where a coach is using maybe unorthodox unorthodox methods to train his um, athlete, but the athlete uh, doesn't know where the 
coach is going. And so he doesn't want to follow that procedure or learn that technique. Right? Karate Kid, Rocky, all that stuff is, I think, based on this idea that the coach, the, the mentor, right? the leader knows where, where, what direction they're taking their uh, student. But the student needs to trust. The student needs to endure hardship or strict training or something that they don't understand because they haven't seen the end result, but their coach has. Right? And that's could be said in, in many different things, right? Organizations, uh, employers, um, people who build things, right? Even uh, like, um, you know, construction uh, in our building, they're, they're doing a lot of uh, road work, uh, like walkway kind of uh, uh, tearing down and building of ramps and bringing in new material and then you know, just a bunch of stuff. And um, as I look at it, I don't understand why you know, things happen the way they do. I don't understand the timing. Understand why, you know, X Y Z uh, is happening, and then why it's taking so long. It's just like a big mess, and actually, a lot of people in our building and our buildings are complaining. But I think the the board of directors and certainly the architects they have a vision. They they can see the completed pro, uh, product, right? And so they're um, sticking to the schedule. They are um, encouraging patience to the uh, shareholders. Um, they are working through kind of weather uh, delays or, you know, I don't know. I don't, I don't think there's money problems, but, it, you know, that you, you know what I'm saying? Because they have a vision of what the final product is going to look like, they can stick to it. They can endure. They can progress. Whereas, you know, a person who has no idea uh, questions everything along the way. So in our Christian lives, right, um, there has to be this trust that, uh, you know, God is working in us. That he has a goal, a design, uh, something, uh, a, a destination uh, for each of us, right? And it could relate to our character, it could relate to our skills, it could relate to, um, you know, location or type of service, but uh, it's incumbent upon us to trust the process that even though we run into an obstacle or even though things get delayed or even though we don't understand why we're going through it, um, that we uh, stay close to God, we stay close to each other, uh, we follow what the Lord reveals to us, we, we be as faithful as we can, even if we don't under quite, we, we can't, you know, make the connections, we can't, we, we can't explain all that that is happening, right, um, there is a, a, a blueprint that maybe only God is aware of, ultimately, but uh, when he uh, 
instructs us, guides us, uh, commands us, uh, we have to trust um, the process. We have to trust the manner. We have to trust the way in which he leads us. Okay. Um, I wanted to spend the remaining time um, kind of looking back. Um, I want to hear from you guys. Uh, what about numbers right, uh, was kind of good for you? Could be a, a, a big theme, like a meta theme, or it could be a particular chapter. It could be a particular study that we did, a particular uh, um, story. But uh, I, I think I, I asked you to spend some time, so, you know, uh, reflecting on it. So, um, yeah, um, we spent, uh, I, I guess, a year uh, in this book. We didn't cover every passage or chapter, but uh, I think you got a general understanding of what was happening in Numbers. And um, so let me hear, uh, let, let's, let's uh, share what kind of is impactful or has stayed in your spiritual memories, your data banks. I think for me, it's uh, always been, uh, for Numbers, the image of um, Numbers 9, where he talks about the pillar of the cloud uh, and, and, the, uh, and the cloud and the fire, just as, um, you know, as a nation, um, you know, kind of going by what Pastor Johnny was talking about on Sunday, just living by tents, uh, living in tents and being, uh, going from place to place, um, I mean, that uh, just the imagery of a nation following, you know, God uh, like that, whether it be a day, a week or months, right? Not knowing if you're going to be there for a long period of time or a short amount of time, but being committed to following God in, in that way was always something that was very, um, you know, so, something that was really encouraging to me and challenging to me, right? just uh, living a life like that and just being happy as a nation or being united as a nation like that following, you know, being obedient it, with that just a type of time frame. Right? I think, um, again, back to, you know, what some of the things that Pastor Johnny was saying about the tent, right. Being committed to, um, to the tent. Right. And I, I just, just, just that, just the thought of being at a place, not knowing if you're going to be there for a day, a week, or months, right? Just um, naturally, just, just drives me crazy. You know, my mind just going, you know, berserk. You know, just thinking, like, how could I do that, right? And so it was. It is very challenging, and I just wish, uh, you know, I can say that, you know, that is something that we can do, right? As a, a Christian nation, <laughs> a Christian body, that we can be. <laughs> Um, so that's you know, numbers nine has always been something that's challenging to me, and, and a reminder of. of um, you know, really how uh, I, my mindset should be. Thank you, brother. I'll share. Um, so I think in overarching um, for studying numbers, I think the biggest challenge that I have had um, doing our Bible studies has been trying to find relevance um, or relating to some of the situations because, and I, and I feel like this 
a lot with the Old Testament too. I think sometimes it's really hard for me to um, make some sort of connection to the text. Um, I think New Testament for me, it's it's so easy sometimes to find lessons or applications in my own life. And, and so I honestly, like a lot of times while we were doing this Bible study, I was like struggling because, and, and I think we also talked about it too, like some of the situations and um, stories with, you know, people, you have to understand the context. And, you know, I think we did have a lot of like, I, I remember I was fired up from some of the conversations too, um, just because, yeah, but, um, but I was grateful that we went through it because I think it's still necessary. It's still, you know, again, like the lessons are there. It's so important to um, like apply. It's just, I think the text, like even this text too, like I was hearing like, like, like all these names and it's hard for me to kind of get past some of that. And um, so I, yeah, I was grateful for that. Um, to I I think it humanized the Israelite tribes and people for me in a way like I think it's really easy to judge them when they are foolish or when they kind of are selfish or scared and they you know turn from God but then actually like a lot of the times I almost found myself like not defending them but feeling like oh I I actually probably would have ended up on that side, right? As opposed to um, always doing the right thing or, you know, being perfect. So I really like Moses and I think just his story too. I relate to a lot. Um, I honestly don't relate as much to like Joshua. So, um, so yeah, I was grateful. Amen. Um, I love the book of numbers. Um, I think it's very timely for, for me personally um, to um, have the lesson. Like, you know, it's just like the Israelites complaining a lot. Um, Moses having to deal with so many different things. And um, through it all, the, the lesson was to trust God. And so, um, yeah, I, I think, um, like Al said, I, I really was blessed by Moses' faithfulness, despite people rebelling against him and, and complaining all the time um, and seeing his weaknesses, and yet God's faithfulness worked through his life. So it was, it was good. Well, I thought, you know, Numbers is a book that God was uh, pretty uh, ticked off, a book that kind of evidenced him being uh, just upset, actually, probably more than most other episodes in scripture. I mean, I'm sure there are other times that can 
you know, compete like, you know, the, the latter days of, you know, the nation of Israel. Um, but, you know, reading the numbers, you get the sense that he, he's ticked off and kind of rightfully so. And, uh, you know, there's still grace, right? There's still, you know, you, you pick up after that and, you know, he still takes you to the promised land. And uh, nobody's exempt, right? From Moses, you know, all the way down to the people who rebelled, you know, to people who are just complaining about food and water. So, you know. Oh yeah, and the, the other one that he's upset at was uh, Balaam. There you go, like everybody, he's upset at everybody. <laughs> but, um, but, you know, if you're, in, if you're in his kingdom, then, you know, there's still grace, right? There's still, you know, there's still the promised land waiting for you at the end, so. So if I do something, he's upset at me, well, you know, still look to the end. I think one of the things that was um, helpful to me and I think kind of really struck me going through the book of numbers this time around is just um i guess just like uh how the book is sort of real about um you know the uh experience of the israelites and you know their behavior and moses's failings and uh, mistakes um i think that yeah it's there's a lot about the book that is very foreign uh another time and culture uh definitely you know have difficulty at understanding like a lot of different aspects of it but um i'm also like kind of amazed though that there are you know aspects though of like the human experience that are very recognizable that comes through you know the text even you know in translation and um I can definitely identify with the, the grumbling and, you know, the uh, challenges of, um, you know, at times being the person in charge or being misunderstood or having, you know, one's motives uh, like uh, misinterpreted. Um, and so, yeah, I think that, uh, I think just kind of seeing those things play out and how um how god dealt with the people and the ways in which you know moses uh was you know inter he would intercede on their behalf but you know at the same time also he uh would get burned at times and have you know his own his his own failings um i think just kind of yeah those sort of overall um even just in a descriptive sense, uh, it's just helpful for me to to reflect on. Um, and then I think like the probably the the uh, one of the passages that like sticks out the most in my mind is just the the bronze snake episode. I think for all sorts of reasons, it's just kind of you know that image is really um, 
memorable to me. And then, yeah, I think that, you know, uh, what you were, um, uh, the way that you were uh, kind of explaining it as a, you know, kind of unexpected or, you know, unintuitive remedy um, that we, we uh, put our faith in uh, because it's God who, um, you know, brings that uh, or calls us to, to trust in, in order to um, find healing. Um, that's, uh, that was also just helpful for me. So praise God. I'll add one more point for myself. I'm a little bummed that we skipped uh, the ironic blessing in Numbers chapter six. I was kind of looking forward to that, but oh well. I forgot to mention that you're welcome to put a post on the chat too. Let's hear some more. Um, just like a favorite, like like you could be like Peter and Peter said more, but he, he identified the bronze snake story. As, you don't have to explain it. Just say, "Oh, I like that one," or "I was disturbed by this one," and that's what sticks in my memory. Uh, I think for me, one thing I took was like an encouragement of just from Caleb and Joshua's like faithfulness, even though like the other spies were kind of like afraid and not able to trust God. They were very um, confident in what God was going to do, and they didn't let that sway them. And they even tried to, you know, kind of push for it. And you know, they were the only two who were uh, you know allowed in from that first. You know, generation and I just kind of took that as like you know an encouragement to not let you know other people pressure you away from like if you're feel strongly that God is going to do this thing and you know your your faith is placed in God not to let like the pressure of like other people kind of divert you away so I kind of took that lesson from that chapter Yes. Um, one of my favorite parts was when was the um, the image of Moses standing with the Israelites before the promised land. And when God is telling him that um, he's going to see this land that he's given the Israelites, but that he will not cross over into it. Right. And then he reminds Moses why. Right. And we spent. <clears throat> quite a bit of time talking about that, right? What Moses might have felt. Um, but I think, you know, I was thinking about um, Moses's life and um, the very beginning when he heard God call him through the burning bush and um, God was telling him that he would send him to deliver his people um, out of Egypt, right? And how at this point as he stands you know, with everything, all the ups and downs that they've experienced, but standing before the promised land, how um, he must have, um, he has so many reasons to trust in the faithfulness of God. Um, 
and even this reminder, right, that you know, God says, you know, you you know why you don't get to go in, right? I think that that too, I feel like, um, is is actually a part of um, God's mercy to Moses in showing him just truly how trustworthy he is. You know, I was thinking like. For me, like sometimes when I discipline my kids, I'll like um, threaten them with something, right? Like if you don't do this, I'm going to take this away, right? And if you don't clean your room, then I'm going to take away a privilege, right? And then they don't clean their room, right? And then I take the privilege away and then they change their mind, right? They don't like that that privilege was taken away. So then they go and they clean their room. But really, it's too late, right? And I think if I um, hold my ground, which I hear you're supposed to do as a good parent, right? Um, you wouldn't budge on what you originally said, right? Like you would hold your ground because you want your kids to learn that, you know, if you don't obey, um, these are the consequences and you have to live with it. But I think for me, like, you know, they do it and then I'll be like, okay, yeah, you can have the ice cream, you know, or like, it's easy for me to, I think, backtrack or to just give in because um, I feel like, okay, if, you know, maybe the lesson's been learned, or it's like the, um, the, like, what has been, I guess it's at the end of the day, it's like, what I asked for was done, right? But I think, um, God cares much more about um, that process, right, of obedience. And then also, he's just so faithful to his word, right? Like he can't, he's not going to go back on what he says, because that's who God is, right? So I feel like in that moment when Moses sees the promised land, and that even the fact that he can't go in, right, is more reason, like, a testament to God's um, holiness and his um, trustworthiness, you know, like that, that really struck me when we were um, studying that passage. I think that was my, my favorite one. Thank you for sharing. Okay, I'll wrap this up. Um, I think studying most of the book was helpful to me. I knew my favorite stories and famous stories in in numbers, but um, in terms of the, the flow of the book, I finally got a, a better grasp of it, like chapters one to 10 or one to nine-ish with like the preparation to travel and uh, tribal arrangements and census and all that. And then 10 through 20-ish, it's all about rebellion. I didn't know there were like all these different types and uh, it, that was really hard to kind of for me to go through. Um, and then uh, you see kind of a, a turning point um, in the early chapter, early twenties, um, and they're starting to get some victory, starting to move closer uh, to the promised land again. But they keep there's some major incidents too, right? Bronze snake. There is the mid, um, 
the seduction, right? The idolatry, adultery and idolatry. And then, and then kind of like the late twenties and then the thirties, uh, you know, a lot of that is, is, you know, stuff about kind of some of the offerings, other kind of law, law-based things. But, you know, we, the ones that we studied, we looked at inheritance. Anyway, I'm, I'm thankful for the, for having to kind of organize in my own understanding um, what numbers was about. I think um, Emily mentioned the parent uh, analogy and, and Dave also talked about God being, uh, seemed like he was kind of upset a lot. Um, yeah, I, I thought a lot about um, kind of God's care uh, and, and sometimes it, it was expressed in anger. Other times it was expressed in very detailed, like, remember that passage where he, he made them count how much, how many bowls and how many spoons, or the spoons or something like that, all the utensils had to be accounted for. So the amount of detail that, that God cares about, you know, each individual person tallied or numbered. Um, I, th I thought that was kind of a very interesting picture of God. And he was harsh to the Israelites, uh, maybe like a parent. Like, I was thinking like, you know, sometimes our parents are working so hard or you as a parent work so hard to um, inculcate and, and to convey just important truths and life, life lessons to our kids. But, and you may look like you're being kind of tough or mean or even unloving, right? But, you know, when, the parents are out of the kids' earshot. If they're with other parents, or if they're with, you know, their friends or something, they really are like delighted with their kids, and you know, they, they talk them up, they, they brag about them, maybe too much, right? You know, uh, you, you may find yourself in, in that situation, or you may be aware of that. And I find that when God is preventing Balaam from cursing them. And in fact, what Balaam pronounces are all these like amazing descriptions of the Israelites, right? Uh, there's some very like compliments and there's blessings and there's just a lot of amazing things being said about the Israelites. <laughs> but they have no idea, you know, they are in the valley below and they're either about to embark on, you know, consorting with the Midianite women or they are in the midst of it. So uh, it, it kind of like was to me kind of a jarring picture of, again, God's faithfulness and our unfaithfulness. And uh, I think that is true um, through all time. God is so faithful, so proud of us, right? He really, um, in, in his heart of hearts, um, you know, it delights in us. But most of the time, we're messing up or, you know, God has to lay it on thick because we need to grow. We need to uh, become the 
people that he, yeah, I mean, we are the, you know, the, the final property, the, the promised land is not a location, it's not a thing, it's not a, a status or a position, it's us. It's us being the kind of people that God, you know, wants us to be. It's, you know, us being conformed to the image of Christ. Um, so numbers was tough, but it, it, I think in, 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 a, in a great way showed um, all that God, the lengths that God will go to, to form what is uh, right, what his purpose is in each of us. That's it. Okay. Can I ask Matt Chin to close us in prayer? Heavenly Father, uh, just thank you for uh, just this past uh, year of uh, just studying through the book of Numbers. God, I just thank you um, that you help us to uh, just meditate on your words and um, that Pastor Daniel has uh, just shared um, uh, lessons and um, things that we can apply uh, for our lives, God. We just uh, lift up to you uh, just uh, coming uh, summer, Lord, um, just for uh, just uh, the studies that we'll do, Lord. And I just thank you for how you uh, have continued to allow us to meet together uh, virtually uh, throughout the uh, pandemic, God. And I just uh, give you thanks that um, uh, things are slowly uh, reopening, Lord. And uh, we just pray for your continued wisdom as we um, uh, try to uh, have more uh, resumption of in-person uh, service, God, and uh, the time that we can uh, spend uh, together, Lord. And just uh, thank you for um, just the time that we can be encouraged by uh, the Pions, Lord, and also to encourage them as they're visiting God. And I just lift up to you um, just the rest of our time this evening. Um, just your presence would uh, be with us. Uh, just uh, all these things uh, in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Uh, let me just uh, put a plug in for our next set of studies. We're going to be looking at some Psalms, at least for a couple of months, maybe sample some Psalms. And uh, it might be longer than that, but right now, the, uh, at least for the immediate future. And um, the hope is that um, instead of being as kind of like, you know, I tend to lead us to try to really understand the text and, and wrestle with it. Um, and there will be some of that, but I think the power of the Psalms is how it expresses what we're going through. So uh, I hope um, you can uh, bring your own personal uh, connection, uh, uh, you know, uh, share more, be open more, feel more <laughs> the text. Um, so the next one I think will be Psalm 13, 1-3 if you want to get ahead start. Thank you.